Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Lots of things happening within the market trade today. and We've got the person to talk about it, whether we're dealing with African swine fever or what's been going on in the latest China trade talks. As Arlen Suderman joins us today from FC Stone. Let's talk China. You tweeted over the noon hour, and at least it sounds like these phone negotiations are going somewhere. Yeah, absolutely. U.S. Trade Representative Robert Lighthizer and U.S. Treasury Secretary Stephen Mnuchin had a phone conversation earlier today with the Vice Premier of China, according to news reports. And uh, those phone conversations apparently went well, according to some news outlets. Uh, it came out that uh, they are close to finalizing portions of a deal, that they will continue to have their staff work, quote-unquote, continuously on it, that a follow-up call is expected here, you know, within a matter of days uh, at the high level once again, trying to finalize an agreement that can be signed when President Trump and Presidency are in Chile uh, for the APEC meeting uh, next month. That'll be in the middle of the month. I believe they would be there on the 16th and 17th of November. So it looks like we are moving toward this first partial deal. This will not solve the problems that we have with China. This, if it goes through, looks like it would be good for the commodity sector. Maybe not as good as promised, but certainly good. Uh, how good it is is going to depend on which commodities China purchases. I do not expect it to take soybean purchases back to the level they were before the trade war. And that's largely because of African swine fever, which we can talk about later, that simply chewed through too much demand. It's done too much demand destruction, maybe a better way to put it. Um, but it will certainly help get us back to better levels of demand. Um, but it could be good for other commodities that we were not previously shipping much to China because of their tariff and non-tariff barriers. One of the things that's received very little press is the fact that this first agreement, according to administration officials, includes removal of many of the non-tariff barriers that China was using to block export shipments of U.S. commodities to China, like corn. We remember um, the corn that they would block because of uh, failure. They'd find... uh, well, I want to say traces of a non-approved um, GMO variety in the corn or hybrid in the, in, the, in the shipment, and so they would reject it, and that was the way they would block it. And many things like that are reportedly have been changed in this agreement, and that should help as well. Um, but it does look like uh, progress is being made there, and if we can ship some corn, maybe not as much as we would have before African swine fever, but if we can ship corn, if we can ship ethanol, uh, if we can ship some wheat, there's rumors that they may need uh, anywhere from 35 to 75 million bushels of hard red milling wheat. That would certainly help as well. Uh, we could see some benefits come out of this. You know, you look at China, and we, you know, you and I have had this conversation before, that at what point do we see them step up to the plate because they're getting pressure in country to be able to feed their people? They really are. I mean, they've got some significant problems back home. One of those problems is the protein shortage created by African swine fever, and the other is uh, the pro-democracy demonstrations in Hong Kong. And uh, we in the Western culture do not comprehend 
what an insult they consider those pro-democracy demonstrations in Hong Kong. To us, it's, it just seems easy to support the demonstrations, and, and I certainly support the freedom that they stand for. But for the Chinese people and leadership, it's not just the Chinese leadership, but the people as well, they see this as a big affront to them and an insult to them and uh, it's a very serious one. So I am not by any means saying that I agree with them. I, I agree with the demonstrators who want freedom. Um, but I'm just saying we can understand their response and reaction when we start to understand their value system and why they react to what they are. And they see that as a bigger challenge, I believe, than they do the economic problems that we are creating with the tariffs and in this trade war. And when you add that to African swine fever and what it's doing, they want to be able to deal with those problems at home and clearing up the trade dispute with the United States would help them focus on those problems. Again, this is not going to solve the problems between the United States and China. Those problems are created by a headway, you know, a, a head-on crash that democracy and capitalism going toward communism and a state-controlled economy were eventually going to hit. And we are not going to solve that problem until or unless um, one side wins, so to speak. Uh, I hate to make it sound like war. That's not my intent. But when you look at the objectives of these two totally different systems, they were going to clash, and they will continue to clash, and that will leave the commodity trading that we do with them at risk for many years to come, um, even beyond President Trump and other presidents who follow him. Uh, before we had to break out, let's quickly harvest. Um, are yields getting smaller as you hear reports coming out of the country? They are. Basically, we heard, and in, in it varies by portion of the country, but basically the April planted corn and soybeans uh, saw the sig uh, significant reduction yields. May did much better. May planted corn and soybeans. Um, June planted corn and soybeans, particularly after June 5th, we saw a significant decline again. There were exceptions to that, but that's just kind of the general trend that we have observed over the Midwest. All right, well, stick around, folks. We've got more coming up. We're going to talk about this snow that's coming in next week, the snow that was seen just in the last 24 hours and what this is all going to mean. And then, of course, another deep look at African swine fever and its effects on the protein side. Lots more is coming up. It is the Fontenelle Final Bell on the World Radio Network. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield as Arlen Suderman joins us. And we are broadcasting, by the way, from the Nebraska Soybean Board Studio, which is brought to you by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff. We'll find out more about soybeans, African swine fever, how this is all coming together. But snow, we know that there's a cold snap, Arlen, that's supposed to be coming in um, into the weekend, into next week. They're talking that snow possibility. But look at the Texas Panhandle, winter wheat crop. It's got some snow Good or bad for this crop at this point? Well, out there in the high plains, they could certainly use the moisture. In fact, there's a lot of the uh, western plains wheat belt that has been very dry, and especially in the month of October, and needs the moisture. So they'll take the moisture. The cotton farmers out there really weren't ready for this, so the wheat farmers would certainly take it. A lot of wheat was planted in the dust. Over to the livestock side, as we look at African swine fever, what's the latest update? What are you hearing from folks that have boots on the ground? 
we're seeing market hog prices that are triple what they were a year ago. Keep in mind that we are now in, uh, what, the 15th month of African swine fever. So when you hear versus a year ago, that was already three months in, almost three months into the disease's progression. So we're seeing some tremendous prices for hogs showing the shortage there. As I translate some of those prices, or rather convert some of those prices, we're looking at market hog prices of 280 to $290 per hundred weight in portions of China. Not all the way across China depends on 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 local conditions, you know, but overall we're seeing high prices everywhere. It's just those are some of the extremes. Fresh pork prices are blowing up in the same way. We are seeing that then pull other meat prices higher as well. Restaurants largely as you go into many restaurants that restaurants simply don't want to pay that high price for pork, and so they just simply don't have available. They'll simply say, we are out today. And so people switch to the other alternative meats that might be on the menu. And so that is how some of the rationing of demand is occurring. But overall, there simply isn't going to be enough meat, so we're going to see a reduction of meat consumed, and some people in lower income levels probably pushed into more of a starch-based diet once again. Uh, and, and so that's a, that's a concern to the Chinese government. China continues to talk up a good talk and say that they're going to be rebuilding stocks and have them rebuilt by next year. Um, but as I reminded one reporter that asked me about it, I said that's what they said a year ago. And uh, we don't see any evidence whatsoever yet of any place in the world that has been able to control this disease and dial it back. Um, and it is now spread through virtually all of East Asia, except for Japan, uh, parts of Russia, and into Eastern Europe. And North and South America are the, really the only main continent, I guess, besides Australia. Australia is not a big pork producer um, that is free of the disease right now, and so we'd like to keep it that way. What blew me away um, as we were in commercial break for this, you talked about the market, and the price is three times higher in some areas of China. That makes it virtually impossible for some of these families to to make those purchases to feed their family which goes back to the food issues we talked about in part one of this of the show it really does now the biggest thing you think about in a situation like that is social unrest if you look at world history most social unrest in fact this current regime of china the communist party control of china they just celebrated their 70th anniversary um, with the Golden Week holiday the first week of October. And one of the things that helped push them over the edge to be able to gain control of China was social unrest due to high food prices. So they're very aware of that. That's one of the reasons they have one of the most extensive camera and facial recognition systems in China, and they use that to intimidate people to keep the demonstrations down. But that's still one of the concerns they have to monitor is whether this will... And, and develop into social unrest, and of course the Hong Kong demonstrations are a threat for that spreading as well. Cattle markets saw some mixed trade. Are we going to continue to see this going on as we head into past the weekend, Monday, Tuesday? Yeah, we finished the week pretty well uh, with December putting in new highs for the move uh, and doing so ahead of the cattle on feed report. I, but most of the focus is really on the next cattle on feed report that we get a month from now 
amid expectations that that's going to show a big increase in placements. Uh, you wouldn't know that by just looking at the gains in the market, but when you look at the fundamentals of this market, we're seeing some pretty healthy demand. If you look at the uh, cold storage report that came out earlier in the week, it showed some pretty good disappearance of beef. So demand appears to be strong, especially for the higher-end cuts. Why the choice select remains um, strong. Overall, packer margins are strong. And uh, so now it comes down to, okay, what are the fall placements going to be? And will we have enough demand to absorb that? Right now, the market's cautiously optimistic. Lots of things that we hit on today. What's the best way for folks to get a hold of you, Arlen? INTLFCStone.com or at Twitter.com slash ArlenFF101. And that is the Fontenelle Final Bell being brought to you by Fontenelle and all the local dealers. Of course, you can find this as a podcast through our website at RuralRadio.com or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. It's a Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.